Hello, audacious listeners. It's Mercy, your fave Gen Z on your fave Gen Z careers podcast, Audacity of We. Each episode, I'll be having chats about the reality, honesty, and spilling all the Gen Z tea when it comes to careers. So, let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome to Audacity of We, the podcast, your fave Gen Z careers podcast. And today I have a fantastic guest who's doing amazing things in PR and comms. And I'm so excited to have you, Cam, on the podcast. How are you doing? I am good, like a little bit tired because we had our Black Comms birthday event yesterday, but I am well. Thank you for having me. Well, bop bop to two years of Black Comms Network. So excited <laughs> to hear about it. Um, and I mean, Cam, I call myself the self-proclaimed CEO of Hyping Up My Friends. And I bring that energy into my podcast with each of my guests. And it's no different with yourself. So just strap in, get ready. You good? I'm good. I'm ready. All right, let's do it. So Cam and I crossed paths on LinkedIn, actually. I mean, what's new with that platform? <laughs> and in particularly, you dropped a message. You you were talking about the podcast when I announced it. And I was like, yeah, okay, maybe I can do this. Like, if Cam says I can, I can. Because little did you know, I was low-key like, I can't believe you're in my inbox right now. <laughs> because the Black to Z exhibition for Pinterest and which was curated by Irene from TTYA London was something that I was seeing everyone's socials and I was like what what's going on who's this who's powering kind of like making sure this is everywhere and anywhere and I found out it was your marketing communications consultancy Calder which you're the founder and CEO of and was a really key reason for the reason that it was on my platforms and just me seeing it I also learned that your agency was asked to amplify the launch of Black Sea Exhibition, which showcased influences and ideas that kickstart creativity told through the eyes of 26 game-changing Black businesses and creators. I said, absolutely, <laughs> let me get Cam on my radar and just make her a best friend because <laughs> just amazing things. Like, honestly, I mean, I live up in Scotland. I know it's not too far from London, but still, just being able to see something like that, that was, like, massive in London, but seeing it on my feed and, like, on my socials, I was like, Some, something's going good. Something is <laughs> doing really well here. I then also learned that you founded the Black Comms Network for Black PR and comms professionals in the UK at all stages of their career, which I think is an incredible initiative, and quickly applied to become a part of. I said, let me see what is up for me to be a part of this. Like, I just wanted to be everywhere that Cam was, essentially. <laughs> And you mentioned that the Black Comms Network just turned two as well and you had a birthday celebration, which I am so happy for you and proud of. And then on top of all of that, you're also a visiting lecturer at UEL, which is the University Arts of London, and are passionate about building relationships with schools and universities and young PR talent. So we set up a chat. We had a real good conversation a few months back. And then we were like, okay, let's meet in person. We made that work with the busy diaries that we have, especially yours. I was like, <laughs> like when can I meet Cam? When we made it happen. happen. We made it happen. We made it happen. And I'm so glad that we got to do that last month. And I mean, Cam, honestly, like I look up to you so much. I feel like you've been doing amazing things. You're continuing to do great things. You've just got so much ahead of you and you've done so much already. But hey, I have talked a lot and I am excited <laughs> for everyone to hear from your lips, your journey, how you got to where you are and just why it matters so much to you as well. 
Oh, thank you. That's such a lovely intro. And what can I say? I mean, I've been in PR and comms a long time. It has, I don't, I almost stopped counting the years and I feel like that means it's quite a long time, but I know it's at least 16, 17 years, maybe. I studied PR. I always say I'm one of those weird people who studied PR at a time when definitely nobody was really studying PR, but it was the only thing I wanted to do. I thought it fused creativity with writing. My mum's an artist. My dad um, owns his own business, so very kind of um, consistent and business-minded. And so, yeah, having those two pieces together in terms of how I've been brought up PR seemed to just answer that piece around being, having skills, being kind of entrepreneurial, business-minded, but also um, showing your creativity. So when I, I can't remember, and I, I always say, I wish I could remember who introduced me to PR um, on that fateful careers day, but I always kind of knew it was the career for me. Um, but when I studied PR and I went, I was at London College of Fashion, which turned into University of the Arts London, um, there I quickly thought maybe this isn't for me so I was quite a bright kid at school but when I went I felt really not bright um, I didn't understand the lingo the people I didn't recognize I didn't know I didn't have those links those connections fashion PR was just a world that I yeah I wasn't sample size I just really didn't fit in so um, I started thinking hmm, maybe this PR thing is not what I want to do um, but my mum wouldn't let me quit so I, I stuck at it and I thought okay maybe it's fashion PR I don't want to do and I went into health PR so my first kind of after doing a bit of London Fashion Week and interning for a couple of years and not really getting paid um, and getting quite used to not being paid because of the bright lights of fashion I suddenly thought to myself maybe I can get a job um, so yeah I've been in-house I started my career in-house I then went into agency um, in healthcare PR, um, and then I've worked in food and drink PR, in corporate, in travel, in yeah, in all arrays, on all different types of PR from a skills perspective, but also from a sector perspective. And I think that's what's just one of the myths. I know you've asked me that question. You'll ask me that question later. But one of the myths is that you don't have to specialize. Like you can work it out as you go along. And I studied. I you know I almost gave up because I didn't like fashion PR. Um, but I went into health PR and really loved it. Then I equally went into corporate PR where I used to hate issues management. And now I actually like like the problem solving and figuring out and helping brands manage their reputation. So A, you grow as you, you go, but also I think that you you don't need to know it all at the start. You can figure it out once you're in. And, and that's kind of what I've done. So setting up Colder was the natural sort of next step because I've worked across different sectors. I'm very passionate about inclusive marketing um and not just you know black communities absolutely but it's also about just more broadly how people or how brands and organizations represent people from different backgrounds how do they center communities in their advertising how do they center communities in their communications and yeah I'm really passionate about that and we're lucky enough to have some clients who also believe that that's really important too um and so cold has been going a couple of years um, I also set up the Black Comms Network at the same time because like a lot of Black women, you almost have passion, you know, it's that people, passion, purpose, profit. Mm -hmm. like you have to do something. You feel like you want to do something for your community. You need to make money too. So I actually launched the Black Comms Network first because just 2020 was a difficult year for so many people. And I could just see maybe that it's time that we could all come together um, and then launched Coldest shortly afterwards. And actually that was the year I also started lecturing at UAL, more just for representation, 
because of that feeling I felt when I was at uni and I was just like there there was two or three um women that looked like me out of 50 people and I felt like an alien um I just thought actually from a next generation perspective how can we like just change the face of not only what's in the industry but what a tutor looks like what a lecturer looks like and bring some real life experience into the course so yeah 2020 was definitely like a game-changing year for me um in terms of finding out my passions and really going for the changes I really wanted to see in the industry whether that was about community and black talent being treated better whether it was about industry not really doing inclusive marketing very well and what was the role that I could play in that and whether that was representation for like young people like how yeah how how more people from different backgrounds can feel more sort of included um in an educational setting I just yeah I just went for it really and and here I am now a couple of years later a very busy person (laughs) yeah I mean those two years you have like done so so much I mean built a whole community and with the Black Comms Network you've built a whole agency like with Calder and then just that I love how you talked about you know reaching back to students and like remembering how you felt when you were in college or in school and I I think that's super important because I mean I didn't have any like black lecturers when I was in university and it's it's interesting when you kind of become used to it you're like oh and then you see something like hold on where'd you come from (laughs) (laughs) what's going on here but I think I love the idea of being a visiting lecturer how did that come about again I can't I think it might have been I wrote something for PR week or I was featured in PR week or something like that and I think the uni reached out to me and initially it was just to do a talk which I was like fine happy to do a talk and then I started speaking to a couple of the course leaders um shout out to Raluca at um, University of the Arts London and um and yeah we we just started talking about the kind of agency life module so for me what I'm also really passionate about is the industry always talks about no junior talent and wanting two years of experience or a year of experience just to start unless you're mm-hmm. from a red brick union somehow you get a pass um yet the from and then from an academia point of view students are learning all of the theory and so whilst there was an agency life module I felt like I could just support with just injecting a bit more real life like what's your job really going to be like what are you actually going to be doing um, break down all of the acronyms, the terms, all the things you hear so that um, students yeah, and young people are just a bit more prepared for work in life. Um, and, and then equally, I think industry has a role to play in that. We can come on to that later. But just helping students to navigate, actually, once I leave, what do I need to do to get mm-hmm. myself an interview and hopefully secure myself a job? that is literally music to my ears like that I feel that is the issue right in terms of like we learned so much theory so I did international business with marketing and it's an amazing course and like all great and stuff but something that really made a difference in my course was that we did have to do a real life kind of brand building exercise and how you would pitch to an agency and going through that process and stuff but I I recognize that not all curriculums have that and that's where a problem comes in. But it, but to be able to have someone that comes in like yourself, who has an agency, has been in the game, knows what it's like, and just tell them, yeah, okay, this is what you learn in theory, but equally, like, this is what can actually happen. And this is what the industry is looking at, especially right now, because sometimes you also have 
you know, bless them, but you have visiting lecturers who come in and, you know, they've been in the game for a long, long time. <laughs> Those decades are long and hard. And you're just like, wait, but does the industry still look like that? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's a challenge because it's time consuming, right? And we all know PR takes up a lot of time. Mm. So I think it's quite hard for like working PR people, professionals to forge those relationships with uni but I think it can be done like I literally do I don't know a, a module which might be like seven lectures um over a kind of four five four five month period and it's tricky to find the time to do it but yeah it's really it's rewarding and also I love I love meeting like just new people I love meeting people I think mm. that's the one thing that keeps me in this NPR is that Again, it doesn't matter where, like, not it doesn't matter, but wherever you studied, whatever you've done, whatever your entry point is into the industry, um, it's just always interesting to hear different perspectives. Um, yeah. And all of those different perspectives are valid. So I, I enjoy it also from that point of view in that, you know, sometimes you just learn different things that you, you didn't know about people or about, a, yeah, a generation as we're so obsessed talking about Gen Z, like that you, yeah, that you're not part of. Mm, definitely and also I would love to talk about your agency so Colder and I'd love to you know it's spelled C-O-L-D-R let the people know <laughs> where the name came from how do you how do you come up with it it's a question I love to ask founders because there's really interesting stories behind it so Colder was not the original name the original name was Candid because most people that speak to me say Cam you're really candid candid I could spell with a k I had this whole like marketing plan around candid um uh, but I, I think I purchased a url or a different url and, and and another it's now uh kind of I think it's a sexual health or well-being website that had the dot com and I, was like, I don't care I don't care I'm still gonna have my brand and then one of my friends like in industry is like oh cam I didn't know this is what you'd started and I was like no that's, that's not, not what it is yeah, that's not me it's not me so I um I was like okay we need a new name and for me colder is a the cold always gets a really bad name and it's not necessarily about being cold but I was inspired by Wim Hof and the fact that the body functions better when it's a bit colder um you can see clearer you can think clearer you can make better decisions is what um, a lot of the research um that he and his team have done and I thought that is essentially when we're talking about being better on purpose, which is our core business proposition, it is about helping brands think clearly and think a bit differently. And you need a cool head to be able to do that. So Colder was born um, from that, really, from that whole piece of that you can just function better. So can we help brands get out of the heat if they're made a misstep and they don't know what to do next or if they need to try and figure out a new way to reach a different audience or be more inclusive um, not just in a United Colors of Benetton sort of way um, we can help them so Calder was born from that. That is this is what I'm talking about I love those <laughs> stories that's so interesting the body functions better when it's colder I love how you're bringing clients you know oh you're in hot fire right now how yeah. can we help you that's so interesting yeah I love that and I love how you talked about kind of like the the mission and purpose of colder as well and, and helping brands in that way and I'd love to get into the team of Gen Z and we're going to talk a bit about how Marcoms plays you know their role in that communication piece as well. So it's been said 
that Gen Z are changing the way we communicate. And I think that happens in many different realms, whether it's on social media, whether it's in person now, like this is really something that people are digging into. And this includes the way that Gen Z consume information and the way that they expect to hear from brands as well. So firstly, for people who are a bit unfamiliar, we're gonna test a bit of your lecturing skills. <laughs> that wasn't part of the brief. It wasn't part of the brief, but I think you've been doing a real good job so far. But honestly, it was just, it's just a high level question okay, around sure, sure. for people who may not know what marketing communications is. What is that? And, and kind of just what, what's its role in PR and like marketing? For me, I think PR is, I, I always say it's like a collection of skills. I think sometimes we try and make it sound a bit more than it is. Um, but whether that is communicating, you know, verbally or various different ways or written communications, it's about identifying your core audience, like who you want to speak to, how you want to speak to them, and what is the best way to convey that message. And like when I'm speaking to like the younger or junior members of my team, that's what I ask them to keep front of mind. Like, who are we talking to? What do we want to say? How do we want to say it? Or where do we want to say it to them? Um, and then I think it just breaks it down from all of the other, you know, I think, you know, as agencies and as leaders and as people who've been in the industry a long time, we have all these frameworks and all of the, all of the kind of sexy stuff, but the nuts and bolts of it is that. And mm -hmm. once you understand that and you figure out the best way to do that, you kind of don't stray too far from any brief that you get. Yeah, that was great. You did good. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I think that's really good, especially boiling it down to those like certain pieces that you tell your junior team, because sometimes the most simple way to explain something is the best way to explain it. So thank you very much. And now that we have a general understanding of PR and kind of like Marcoms, I'd love to chat about Gen Z and that world of communications. So I guess my first question is, what are your thoughts on the way that Gen Z are consuming information right now? And have you begun to see it impact the comms industry in any way? So I would say that I think the first thing about Gen Z and is that Gen Z is a big group. Like if I think about my almost 16 year old son and my sister who's 20 something, they're very different in terms mm. of how they consume information. I guess if we're talking about 20 somethings, which I think I guess from a kind of industry perspective, we usually are, I think it is just a rise of the niche. Like they are creating their own communities and you have to tap in and understand. It's, they're, they're not shrinking themselves to fit and they don't expect to consume comms that only sees them in one way, unless it is part of their niche. So. For me, if somebody's into fact, they can be, you know, we always say, are you into fashion? Are you into music? What, are the, what values do you have? What are your interests? But you have to go deeper. And I think that can be a challenge for brands because it doesn't necessarily, you might spend a lot more money trying to understand how to reach that audience um, rather than just doing a broad brush there into fashion. So let me do partner with this person who's in fashion. You've got to do a little bit more work to understand who you're trying to talk to Again, it comes back to who you're trying to talk to and what you're trying to say to them and how can you add value to their life. Um, and I think Gen Z are, are the real drivers behind that. Um, they're less scared of bringing more of themselves mm. um, to not only to the workplace, but yeah, to what they consume. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the old rules almost don't apply. The principles always apply in terms of what you need to do. 
but I think you just have to work a little bit harder to engage um not to say that you know TikToks and you know there's not I'm not saying that there's not certain things you can do that hit a lot of people and there are lots of trends but the thing is there are lots of trends yeah um all competing against each other at the same time and I think Gen Z are real drivers of that um of the niche and their interests and protecting their interests and protecting who can talk to them about their interests and can enter that space yeah I love how you brought up that protection piece as well um because I think that is the thing like the world of TikTok and social media makes things so much more accessible these days like everyone can jump into the conversation but sometimes you're like um I don't know (laughs) I don't know if I want to have this conversation right here right now with right this person as well (laughs) yeah with you literally (laughs) and I think that's really interesting I guess have you had any experience of of brands thinking about tapping into a conversation but may not have the right of play at that moment um I'm trying to think I mean we tend to compile like lots of case studies at Colder because we advise our clients across the spectrum of you know whether it's gender whether it's age um whether it's race um you know kind of not necessarily the good and bad although there are some bad examples out there Mm -hmm. um but also (laughs) just what could have been done better because sometimes it's not always good and bad Um, you can't always listen to the loudest kind of minority voice in a conversation you've got to almost develop that compass for yourself but if I have a think about it I guess one of the campaigns I don't actually know who it's by but I did see a recent campaign um, that was almost talking about sort of um, the property boom and the middle classes and then I don't know but I I actually can't remember the name of the campaign but basically it was trying to compare the decision making I think of um yeah middle class people um or older people with um younger generations and it was just done I think in an ad where they couldn't really tell the story but I think it's just it's just a bit more nuanced isn't it and if you're going to be tongue-in-cheek again it's like who is that message coming from for it to be received in a tongue-in-cheek way (laughs) yeah exactly is it welcome in that space in a tongue-in-cheek way as well so I I think that's really important that you brought it up and there's more layers to understand now because communication has become more nuanced and I mean you were talking about with Calder and wanting to build more authentic brands and by showing how they do better on purpose and I really love that on purpose aspect as well I'd say that resonates with what Gen Z wants. They want to engage with more conscious brands who are doing things on purpose, like you said, and really just proactive rather than reactive. Like, yep, have a view of what's going on in the scene, like what's happening, but how can you step up and change rather than being like, oh my gosh, that's happened, let me jump on that. Like, it's that just doesn't seem like it flies as much anymore. Um, But I would love to kind of talk about like what are ways that agencies and brands can kind of work together like the work you've done with Calder the work you've done with Pinterest and you know Black to Z and I'd love to talk about what can brands do what does on purpose look like when it's done right it looks like strategy Mm. actually it's strategy and planning it's it's actually thinking a, a different way or inclusively from the outset and that doesn't mean like like I said that might mean speaking to us for a certain community but it might not like we work with, like eBay is one of our clients and um you know we work with them just across the board on inclusive marketing and just how you want to show up like what does that look like in an ad what does that look like in comms what does that look like on social media 
So it doesn't need to be, I think sometimes, and that's why I did on purpose in that way is that sometimes purpose is very worthy or people see it as worthy or heavy or difficult or challenging mm-hmm. when really it's just about your strategy and your, and your planning and, and how you make sure you're building in that thinking. And if you don't have it as a resource in-house, you're partnering um, so that your, your messaging can reach more people. I think that was the biggest frustration is that I just don't understand why, like, brands are here Mm. to you know to grow their audiences or to sell more products or sell more services why wouldn't you want to reach more people yeah exactly it's so interesting when when people start to think about that and I feel like some people feel that it takes away from certain audiences you're like maybe we're just adding to to what already exists you know and and broadening that and I would say bring it back to the business you know proposition of sales and money and like everyone's happy at the end of the day but I do love how you talk about strategy as well because I think strategy is something that is very significant and very important but funnily enough can be overlooked quite a lot and not realizing that this is the 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 link it's the glute <laughs> the insight and the creative ideas yeah. like what happens in that strategy piece is so important like I guess you feel quite passionate about strategy I, I feel quite passionate about I guess Calder started out as a consultancy mm. and because you need the thinking and I think that's the challenge sometimes depending on the relationship you have with clients if it's not a true partnership and sometimes it's not sometimes it's transactional sometimes it's functional but because Calder has that, um, you know, I can't, I can't say heritage because we're only a couple of years old, but we started out as a consultancy, that thinking, that strategy, that how are we going to do this is so important because often we're helping brands do things for the first time, talk mm. to communities in a different way, be more inclusive, and you can't do it by numbers. You can't say what's best practice over here and that will work for me because everybody's structured differently. So what might work for one company might not work for another. That figuring it out stage is crucial um, okay. to make sure things land right and then you've also got to have that appetite to not get it right you might not get it right the yep. first time but you might get it closer to right than if you just sort of went head first um, and didn't have a think about it so mm. I think yeah that strategic piece is really really important and then yeah absolutely creative execution helps you get to you know get to your audience and make sure you're peaking interest and grabbing headlines or whatever it is you're trying to do the campaign um but it, it all falls flat if you haven't really worked out you know, <laughs> what you're doing yeah. the, <laughs> the building blocks yeah. yeah literally I totally agree with that and I think it's super important that people do put strategy and thinking and like even the consulting piece as well like even though Calder started out as a consultancy I can imagine there's still a lot of consultancy that happens throughout the process which is very very important And I mean, talking about that and talking about how brands are now entering into the landscape or should be entering into the landscape of thinking deeper and using that strategy and everything. What do you think when it comes to Gen Z as an opportunity that they're bringing to the comms industry? What should brands be looking at and being like, okay, this is good, but how do we tap into that? I think it comes back to that point that they're not shrinking themselves to fit a mold. Mm. And the industry is very much a mold in terms of it does certain things the same way it has done for time immemorial there's not that much change and difference really Mm. um in terms of yeah when I entered the industry to now but I think if they could if you could really use that difference and the fact that people are likely to bring so much more of themselves whether that is health mental health physical health 
you know, diversity of their background, um, whether that's their neurodivergent, whatever, whatever makes them them, if they have the opportunity to bring that in a safe space it has to be a safe space even if you're Absolutely. in a you know in a kind of idea session or wherever you're building a strategy it has to be a safe space but if they feel safe to do that the work is going to be so much richer and so much better and I think like I say Gen Z or definitely the young people that I know or I've worked with or have taught you know if you make that space available to them will bring you those different perspectives um, so you're reaching more people so I think there's absolutely it, it is just about not almost I very much I don't necessarily know if I code switch but I just definitely was a lot straighter when I started in terms of yeah. this is how I'm trying I was trying to work out how I needed to be to get mm -hmm. on in the industry so I was emulating what I thought I needed to do and to be honest the real growth has come once I've just been more of myself and yeah. it's not always easy to do and you don't always have the safe space to do it but I think if more agencies and companies allowed like young younger people to do that yeah we get there a lot more quickly yeah I love that I love how you also emphasize around like safe spaces as well because it's true like people do when they're in a space that they feel comfortable people do like to talk about who they are their background what makes them them and like all that diversity of experience is so rich and it's so interesting to see similarities but differences and and all of that stuff that really is a fuel to great storytelling which is really what the industry when it comes to PR and comms and advertising is all about and I just find it interesting where I'm like <laughs> why would you not want to do that exactly my point I don't understand like just all so many experiences are valid and yeah I've met some amazing people in this industry and I think there's lots of people that really understand that are pushing like those narratives and that thinking forward and mm -hmm. I think it's just about yeah it's just about structure and making it easier and yeah. you know and it's not always an easy thing to do because it's hard at the end of the day we're businesses so, you know there's there's things that we need to do but you've just got to find ways to to make make it easier for Gen Z to be around the table yeah yeah exactly and I guess that kind of leads me on to the next bit where I'd love to talk about any challenges you think that this will bring we kind of talked about you know how do you create the safe spaces or things like that what is maybe like a challenge you have top of mind that Gen Z is probably bringing to the comms industry and if you have any ideas of maybe how to tackle it I think that the reality is the more that we you know expose more of ourselves in the workplace companies are not always set up to deal with that and manage that like a lot of PR agencies don't have HR departments mm. don't have people departments and I don't think they're necessary people places they're not built around centering people they're centering clients yeah. So there's a real kind of disconnect between oftentimes the, the initiatives and things that are in place to support people when you're a client driven business. Um, and I think that's where there's a, can be a lot of challenge because it can be, you know, if you don't have, if you're not set up to support people um, and people are bringing more of themselves to work, um, it's not going to work really well you know and that can that's going yeah. to be a real challenge the more people feel you know the more you create a safe space is great people feel great but you the company needs to be set up to deal with that and manage that and have processes in place and you know whether that's people needing to work differently mm. or work in different ways work at different times not work um, at certain times you know companies need to be set up for that 
Um, yeah. And I think that's the shift that, you know, the industry is starting to make some changes. I'm seeing definitely seeing some agencies and companies and the, the beauty of having a kind of 200 strong network in the Black Comms Network is I know a lot about what's going on with agencies and behind the scenes. Um, yeah, I think that's where sometimes it's a bit difficult and companies are not necessarily set up um, mm. for people. Yeah, I think that really goes back to what we were talking about when we were saying how important like structures and and consultancies are are, are and like consulting processes. And you were saying with the 200 strong Black Comms Network, which I mean, the number is wonderful and growing and we love to see it. <laughs> but like, that's true. Like you, you're also exercising your consultancy kind of knowledge and, and experience and understanding in that space to like, like what's going on, what needs to change. Like I know there's a directory built as well through the Black Comms Network. Like you're really doing things. I mean, I know the hype up was over, but it's always going <laughs> to creep back in. It's always going to creep back in. I'm like, wait, Cam also did that. <laughs> I know it's been really busy but um yeah that's all I can say really it's it, I'm, I'm I'm passionate about it and yeah you just sometimes you have just got to get up and do it do the things you want to see and mm. that's essentially what the last few years have been and so as long as I can I will although more team and more people to support we have got a bit of a team on black comms to support um yeah shout out the amazing black comms network team but we all have day jobs and mm. do outside of our day job so um, that is definitely something we're looking to change um, in the future in terms of having some full-time stuff. Amazing okay well let's get into some advice because I mean you've already dropped some gems but I'd love to center around kind of like your experience your career reflection pieces that you'd like to share as well and this is a section of the podcast that I like to call the one thing handbook segment and on this advice segment the idea is that people listening can at least grab one thing from each episode that they can take into their career, implement it and be like, yeah, I can do this. I can get through it. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of chat to you, especially with the world of PR and like also having that bit of insight of like the black experiences within PR as well. But this is about your experience. This is about how you would like to share advice and let's start with a bit of positivity. We're going to start with some joy. <laughs> and then I'd love to hear what is that one thing? You talked about your passion, but what's that one thing about your job that brings you joy that you're just like, okay, I can do this. I want to do this because of X. Um, so I think I think there's probably one thing, two things probably, but if I said one thing, I love meeting people. Mm. I'm actually an introvert, but I love meeting people. So I'm not quite how it works. Not sure how it works. That's worked. interesting. Yeah, but I love learning from different people. So when I was in healthcare and I was learning from or doing work with like gastroenterologists or gynecologists, you know, I changed my contraception methods because we had this amazing gynecologist that we were working with. And, mm. you know, and you meet experts in food or experts in industry. I, I that is the... Yeah, that is what drives me really is just meeting and hearing different experiences and different people talk and their expertise, like mm. that whole jack of all trades, like we're, uh, we're never going to know everything, you're always going to be relying on collaboration, partnership, expertise that you don't have and just having that collection and knowing a little bit about lots of different industries, I really love. Yeah, I love that. I love how also 
I love when we kind of break out of the mold of like, oh, you're an introvert, so therefore, like, you don't like meeting people. But it's really interesting because I feel when it comes to, you know, people who are extroverts and introverts, like with introverts, it's just more so your battery gets drained a bit quicker. And <laughs> so, you know, exactly. you need to go back yeah. and like refuel before you have your next kind of yeah. engagement and stuff. And extroverts kind of like fuel off of the energy, it builds them up, it, it more it builds their battery up a bit. Yeah. Quicker. So, I mean, I totally understand. But what I do get from you is that you're very inquisitive and you just love to like hear about experiences and like learn about people. And I can understand, expand your knowledge and like that therefore helps you. If you've got a brand or a company that comes in and they're like, we have this problem. I was like, well, actually I had a conversation with Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly that. It's just connecting, forever connecting the dots yes. or finding out what's useful. And I think that's the other thing I would say in terms of work, doing fashion, then health, then food PR, then, you know, Aldi supermarket, you know, it's that you can take and learn from each industry. Like you can't do exactly the same thing in health. It's much more regulated, but you can mm. take some of that creativity, some of that trend led um, way of working from fashion and apply it to health. Yeah. And I just don't like to be def- like kept in a box and boundaries. So I think having more people as part of your network just keeps that thinking really fresh yeah exactly I was gonna say it just adds something fresh like you add something new to kind of like healthcare or you add something new to the food industry it's be like just yeah keep it fresh keep it new I love that okay so the next um question I have is what is one thing you've learned that is a career watch out you know this PR world is real scary and messy at times it's real it's a challenge and I think you know Again, one of the biggest leaps I had for myself was when I stopped defining myself by my title. Mm. Like I, in, and in PR, it's I'm not unlike any other, but I, we are obsessed with moving through the ranks and the title, getting the mm. title, getting the title. And don't get me wrong, the title is important. And we know when we've done like research from a black comms perspective that black talent don't get the titles. They might often get the pay, but not the titles. So I'm not saying the title's not important. But when I sort of detached who I am from whether I'm an account director, a director or what have you, um, I felt a lot better. I felt a lot freer. Mm. Um, And actually, sometimes when you get there, you're like, oh, okay." you know, I waited. I I couldn't wait to get to director. And when I got to director, I was director of comms at Hertz. Um, I was like, "Okay, I'm director of comms. But you're then like, "Okay, what's next? You know, you don't ever sort of live and appreciate where you are. Um, And so I think it's really important just to, yeah, divorce yourself from that climb all the time it's mm. important you can do it you will get there and sometimes I like speak to like younger people or people in middle place in their career like Cam I need a game plan I'm not sure what my game plan is and I'm like do you think everybody at the top had a game plan yeah. they didn't have a game plan you know so I'm not saying everyone <laughs> some people do some people don't but I think sometimes you've got to work it out and sometimes it comes to you mm. and you're like okay now that's what I'm gonna do And I think once I divorced myself, it allowed me to have a bit more freedom in terms of actually where, what do I want to do? Where am I trying to go? And all of this happened around in 2020, I think around the same time as sort of setting up Coldwell in the Black Comms Network. 
Wow. I mean, see what reflection can do. Yeah, you might end up building your own agency, a little network or something that becomes 200 strong. But no, I think that's super important. Like when it, especially in the world of PR and like just the industry and generally when it comes to marketing is that there are so many levels and it's like senior exec and then it's like account director. And then there's like all these levels within levels. And it's really hard because you're like, wait, where am I? Where yeah. do I sit? Like yeah. it's, it's difficult. So I, I hear that. And I think it's nice where you kind of take yourself out of the role because you're probably doing more than your role especially if you are someone that likes to you know maybe go a bit above and beyond and all that kind of stuff like you're probably doing more than your role and I find sometimes I'm like that as well where I'm literally like trying to do everything at once and you know I I don't even know what ranks I'm climbing because all my (laughs) roles have been I say all my roles, but like literally the roles I've had where I'm just like, I, I'm just, just tell me what I need to do and then yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. And I think it's really, nice. and then also having the agency and understanding of being like, maybe even renaming the role for you and like being like, actually, this is what I find myself doing you know, reflect on the things that you've done, collect the pieces of work. And sometimes you can present it and be like, actually, I think this sits better with me. This is what I want to do. So I like the idea of not sitting in that box, not sitting in that category of the role. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I think people get really stuck in that. Stuck. And how many people actually do their job description on a day-to-day basis? Like in this career, in this industry... You've got to be flexible. You know what you're aiming for. You've got to be flexible. And not everyone wants to be a CEO and not everyone wants Mm -hmm. to be a director. But the industry's built around rewarding, I guess, only people that want to do that because then you're not progressing. When actually Mm -hmm. that progression could look quite different. And I know we've already talked about Gen Z, but that could look like doing their own thing on the side. It could look like this podcast that, you you know, what progression looks like for you could be completely different. And it might not be about rising through the traditional ranks. And I guess Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's why I think it's just, once you free yourself from that, you just almost don't know what you might do and how you might want to live. And yeah, you're not always striving for the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Because we're all different and we all have our different kind of ambitions and goals as well. Okay, I love that. And let's go into the next one, which we're talking about, you know, if we're going to kind of rewind back to the start of your career, what is one thing you wish you knew at the start of your career? Um, I think there's lots of things I wish I knew. I mean, I mean, I never thought my, I, I mean, I guess I'd never really thought about the people piece. Like, like I said, because I'm not, yeah, I, I wouldn't class myself as someone who always wants to meet people all of the time. Um, I didn't really know how much value that would bring to me. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say my mum's really like, like she'll talk to somebody on a plane and I'd be like, oh, like you didn't know that person <laughs> before and you get off the plane and now you two have friends and exchange your numbers. And I would just never understand how, why you would ever want to do that. But mm. um, yeah, I think it's just almost understanding the power of like broadening your network beyond like where you live or what your lived experience is. And in some ways, as someone from a, a minority background, you do that entering PR because you have no choice you're not the the majority so you do learn you do understand like all these different ways you meet so many different people that you probably would never normally meet Mm -hmm. and that is a real plus too that does add to your experience so I think yeah I I definitely didn't know that and I used to always really hate networking I just used to dread it um and meeting people put myself out there and now I can see myself like at our event yesterday when I was seeing like some of the kind of like younger people or students I'm like 
just it's not that hard you can do it you can do yeah. it let me, to someone let me help you speak to someone because it really just helps you grow yeah definitely it can be daunting that networking aspect and I think I've truly felt like I just have a passion to demystify like what networking is and what it I guess it means in this space now especially post-covid or a world of kind of not being in COVID where things are going back to being in person like it's dusting off like old ways yes. <laughs> the way the scene was before you know people yeah. I feel like people are a bit more I mean people are a bit more candid like you were kind of mentioning um earlier but people are a bit more candid where they want to have a conversation where it's not like oh my god here's my business cards and like yeah. this is what I do <laughs> and then move on <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. it's like how can we actually have a genuine like conversation and how can we either build each other up or sometimes I also like to tell people and tell myself it's like not every single person you talk to is going to be your best friend like a million million percent some people will stay in the professional space some might not be in any space Mm -hmm. some you might connect with but also Mm -hmm. I think until you open up a little bit you it's harder for you to connect with someone but you might feel safety so you just got almost accept that 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 is Mm -hmm. you're going to filter out like and then find your tribe um as yeah you 100% you'll find your people you'll find the the community that you want to build for yourself and around and around you so I love that let's kind of move on to we we're talking about the industry in general but let's talk about your peers let's talk about existing leaders in the space right now what is one thing that they can do that will positively hopefully positively change the industry I think um leaders need to get better at communicating authentically yep I think that there's not a lot of transparent honest authentic communication and absolutely you if you run a business or you're a senior leader in the industry there are challenges there's protocols but I think you know even if you're if you've got a different difficult account that you're working on and you all acknowledge that it's a challenging client um rather than it you know almost the senior team not acknowledging and then pushing it down Mm. to the junior team to make it work that can make a real difference so I just think all to really build proper teams um and really build those kind of connections with the people you have to work with every day Mm -hmm. there needs to be much more authentic communication and I just say that from a perspective of the members and the people that I speak to in the industry when you just some people just don't really know what's going on like why mm. why am I not being up for promotion why have I not had this feedback and this is not just a you know this is across generation to me across race across age um across gender um but yeah I think that when we're not really that honest with each other we give mm. each other the PR stories um and instead of giving them the real like behind the scenes like this is what's going on or this is why these decisions are being made and I think Mm -hmm. the more that leaders can be more authentic in their communication the better yeah I totally agree especially with that like I guess it's transparency right like just being a little bit transparent of this is how this is working this is what we're wanting to do this is what we want you to do like almost having that clarity for people so that they know you know what they're setting themselves up for and we already talked about job descriptions how I mean <laughs> I don't even know if we can say that the skeleton of the work that you'll do. but it's that thing where it's like continually having the communication and the conversation throughout the times having those check-ins of just being like is this making sense to you 
is this making sense to me and like fill in the gaps because yeah. we don't talk to and it's so funny because PR is all about telling stories <laughs> it's all about communication but yeah I think we just was you know we're busy we're doing lots of things we're juggling lots of things and sometimes mm. those intrinsic points or the things that really help to build better teams get overlooked yeah exactly and it's like you said going back to people at the end of the day and how do we do that and I think it's an industry that can probably when it gets there hopefully do it really effectively because we do it with clients anyways so I agree I think it's a very (laughs) interesting space but I do I do love the idea of leaders and I mean I can imagine you're doing it yourself in terms of just being able to have that transparency have those conversations so that you can fix what's going on around you and tell better stories at the end of the day amazing okay so let's close the one thing handbook and I'm really I feel like you're really excited about this last bit I really am (laughs) so I mean if you don't know the order of the podcast already we always end with a game and I mean I'm dressed up in my Christmas jumper I didn't give Cam enough notice to get festive but I am dressed up for the both of us and this is the segment called um keeper delete and it's a game where I'm going to throw three topics Cam's way and she's going to have to decide whether she keeps said topic or deletes said topic. Now, Christmas is my favourite season. It's my favourite holiday. So we're making it Christmas themed and we're getting right into the festive season. Are you ready, Cam? I'm ready. Christmas is my favourite season too, so I'm with you. I knew it. I literally (laughs) knew it. I just knew there was something else that linked up. Okay, so let's do it. We're going to start with food. I mean, we're going to start with uh, a vegetable that people choose whether they like or not. And I'd love to hear your opinion, whether you would keep or delete Brussels sprouts. Are you keeping it or are you deleting it? I was thinking it's either going to be Christmas pudding or Brussels sprouts. (laughs) And I delete Brussels sprouts. Thank you very much. Yeah, I don't mind them. But why have something you don't mind on your plate on Christmas Day? When I'm meant to be feeling the ultimate joy? No, like I do not want it on my There's plate. There's no compromise on Christmas Day for me. Thank you. I feel so <laughs> sweet. Everyone's like, oh my God, no, just give it a try. No, I don't want to. I don't want to try it. Like no. I've had it before and I'm good. Like... <laughs> No, there's just no need. I mean, any other day, fine. If you want to get your veg in and get your greens in, absolutely mm-hmm. have a Brussels sprout. Um, I just find it so eat the veg you want. Parsnips, yeah. carrots, you know, eat the other ones that you really want to have. Drizzled in whatever, honey, butter. Great. Yes, come on. Yeah, you better tell the people what the alternatives <laughs> are because I'm sick of seeing Brussels sprouts on yeah. plates. I want sorry, different options. I'm not even sorry to the Brussels <laughs> I really am not it's just something that okay good quick delete we don't want it fine okay the next one is a movie okay and it's a movie that's you know it has its fan base and such Elf the Christmas movie are you keeping it or are you deleting it I'm deleting it I'm sorry (laughs) I'm sorry that's you know what I've heard it too many times I've heard it too many I mean, times people don't like you know this what stuff. I mean do you know I'm not a massive movie person I'm okay. the sort of person that has seen most movies till about almost the end and then I've fallen asleep gone out I, I don't have I'm not very good at sitting through our entire no. movie unless it's amazing but we don't need elf every Christmas really but I would say like for my nephews I will watch it that's very selfless of you. Yeah, so, I'm so happy for your nephew. 
I don't mind hours and hours of any Christmas movie really for my for my nephews or if my son really wants to although mm-hmm. he's getting a bit too old now but for me personally I can literally call Elf like literally beginning to end <laughs> that is me really? like, I'm just, I'm just, do you know what like I get I get why people might not like it but it still makes me sad because I'm like no but it's really like wholesome and funny and just ridiculous and that's what the festive season yeah just you're right you are correct meant to just have a good time but, but I just wasn't to... on this Christmas it wouldn't mean anything to me sorry it's okay my sister did the same literally <laughs> it's li- every year I just like so I'm meant to watch it myself like what do you mean <laughs> okay fair enough I thought that might be the the result but yeah. it's okay I'll keep it in my world and, and you can erase it from yours and <laughs> maybe make a pit stop in my world if you ever yeah, want to watch okay, it with your I nephews <laughs> yeah definitely okay so the last one is you have to keep one and delete the other and okay. it's a comparison one so Christmas or the festive season in the sun versus Christmas or the festive season in the snow which one are you keeping which one are you deleting that is a hard one mm-hmm. I would say I would keep Christmas in the snow okay. and I would say that because when I have spent Christmas in the sun last year I went to St Lucia and I've done Spain or somewhere else like that before, it wasn't the same. I don't really enjoy snow, but snow is only good if you don't have to go out to work and no one should be working on Christmas day. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you have to travel to family, nightmare. Um, But yeah, I'm more of a logistics person when it comes to snow. Like if I have nowhere to go, I've got all the food and home comforts in the world. Mm -hmm. No, I'll be here for a few days. The kids can do what they want to do outside. Um, but if I've got places to go, snow is not for me. Okay. So I guess overall, I would keep snow. Just because I think there's, yeah, there's something about a cold Christmas that I'm very, very used to. Yeah. But my ambition is to have a Christmas in Jamaica, which I've never done before. And I think that's why I'm like, mm, the jury's out a little bit because I haven't done that yet. So I think if I did oh, Caribbean yeah. Jamaica, I could be. I could Sweet. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, we're going to take Christmas in the snow because <laughs> me too. <laughs> I would keep Christmas yeah. in the snow. I feel the same way. I just like, I don't know, how do you get festive yeah. in the sun? Yeah. For me, it didn't happen. It was like, happy Christmas. We're going to go to the beach. It's nice. The beach. Like, yeah, we're staying Christmas on the beach. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's so different to yeah. understand. It's not what, but, yeah. Yeah, like I agree. I think Christmas in the snow, but I also understand the logistics piece. Like it, I'm very much, I love to travel generally, but during Christmas, I love to be home. Yeah. I love to be inside with my family, watching Elf by myself, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I think as long as you've gotten to where you go, you know, like in the movies, it starts yes. snowing just at the right time. Just at the right it time. Just at the right time. And it's mm-hmm. on the sides of, sides of the road. Fairy tales, I'm here for. The snowplows have already made their way. Yeah, they've already Christmas been there. They're the only people that have been working through the night on Christmas. Yeah, yeah on Christmas Day. Um, I hear a little it. bit unfair for them. <laughs> I hear it. Listen, I think, you know what? We might circle back and see what happens when you finally do Christmas in Jamaica. But for now, I'm glad that we're on the same page. Two so out of three, that's strong. I'll take that because I've 
I've had some battles on this this <laughs> keeper delete segment, and I'm like, I really like when we align pretty well. So that's good. Good. I'm happy. I'm happy. I was waiting for the pineapple on pizza question, but no, I love the Christmas theme. Oh, pineapple on pizza. Do you know what? It is an age old question, but it's still ones that trouble me, and I just can't. <laughs> Do you know what? Let's do a bonus one. What do you think? Keep or delete? You know what? My favorite pizza when I was young was ham and pineapple. You're and I, don't, I can't remember what brand. I, it must have been a, a supermarket brand that always did ham and pineapple pizzas and we'd have it as mm. a treat. Um, so up until I was a grown up, ham and pineapple was amazing to me, but I would never wow. do it. Now. So Why did it change? You guys. But it was my favorite. I'd go to any restaurant and I'd order ham and pineapple pizza. Wow. And just one day you were like, no, I'm good. Yeah, no, I couldn't understand why I did it. Now I'm a straight pepperoni only. Like I like my flavors yes. strong and simple. Uh, yes. But fruit, fruit on pizza when I was young was fine. Fruit on now pizza. Now I don't like ham either. So I think, yeah, I think your taste buds just changed. <laughs> Do you know what? I, this is, I don't like ham. I don't like pineapple on, I don't like fruit on Food. anything yeah fruit on food fruit and things that it just shouldn't be in so I hear it well you know happy that your taste buds have aligned with me as well <laughs> and this is great I'm loving this it just wins all around okay so I mean that does conclude the keep or delete segment and their little Christmas festive season around it but I would love to talk about you know we're coming to the end of the year what do you hope is next for you what do you hope is next for colder and what is next also for the black comms network um for me it is um yeah just using my time as best as i can like i said i spend a lot of time doing stuff um and yes. my son's going through gcscenes and we need to get through that together so mm-hmm. my hopes for 2023 yeah it's just a bit more balanced really um still trying to find that balance i think for um colder it is just to grow and to continue working with the clients we're in 2020 planning for a lot of our clients now um but just to continue to do the work we're doing do some more firsts because that's what drives us solve some more Mm -hmm. problems and with black comms network um just building out the team and just meeting more people like yeah it's just it's been an amazing journey so far it started from a whatsapp group and now we're here and you know, I just want us to grow in a really sustainable way that serves um, everyone who's part of it. And whether that means they're part of it because they're members, they're part of it because they're partners, um, mm. or we just work sort of together or collaborate. Um, I'm just looking forward to what that looks like next year. I love that. And I mean, so that people can follow on for what's happening in 2023 and beyond, where can people follow yourself, Colder, and the Black Comms Network? We are on all socials. Kamiqua is the name. And there are a few Kamiquas, but not that many. So um, <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn um, and I'm Kamiqua Lake on Instagram. So please do follow me if you'd like to. Um, and then the same with Black Comms and Colder. Um, they're both across all social media channels fabulous and that those will be tagged also in the show notes and for audacity we we are also on social platforms including linkedin and instagram at audacity we and episodes are available on all major podcast streaming platforms and if you have any questions for me email audacity at gmail.com but i mean a merry christmas to everyone and a happy holidays festive season whatever you celebrate have a good time off take that break 
and we will be back in 2023 but cam thank you so much i can't believe it's all finished we finally got the episode <laughs> recorded yay I'm proud of us. Yay. But thank you so much for being on the podcast you have been such a big support to me personally and to the podcast so i really appreciated it oh you're welcome and thank you so much